Well, the results are in and Kevin Stitt will stay in office. Despite facing an opponent many believed would give him a challenge in his bid for re-election, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt coasted to victory on election night. Now that his second term is beginning, he spent time with the frontier to go over his priorities for the next four years. Re-elected to a second term. Um, obviously, the, the election cycle was, um, it got pretty nasty there for a little bit. I mean, contentious, a lot of money spent. How, how, what was the feeling like uh, on, on election night? We talked briefly. You know, I, I think... Uh, it's just kind of a, a, a release and a, just an excitement. And, and uh, as you saw, I was super jacked when I got on stage that night. Yeah. And and I think just all the emotions of just a hard-fought victory and, and then winning like we did, it just it just proved that Oklahomans kind of saw through a lot of the, a lot of the nonsense, a lot of the noise. And um, it did. It just got it just got ridiculous. Uh, the billboards, um, you know, th those kind of things. So. It was, it was just a great night and uh, very, very pleased for Oklahomans that they saw through the truth. And I mean, the, the stories like we were going to tear down the governor's mansion and just the nonsense that was happening. I think Oklahomans saw uh, for what it was. Yeah. And what, what kind of message did it send to you and your team that even with um, tens of millions spent against you, that you're still elected decisively? And 50 million. 50 million. And that you're still elected. And what, what kind of message does that give you and your team and motivation going into this, this next term? You know, I mean, it, it, uh, I think it gave us uh, the mandate that we were looking for because we talked about giving parents more options. We talked about uh, lower taxes. Um, we talked about fairness for all of Oklahoma, regardless of where you live or what race or ethnicity you are. And uh, it, it was, uh, it's, it's just very rewarding to know that our message and what I thought, I, as a fourth generation Oklahoma, I feel like I know Oklahoma very well, and it just uh, it was just reassuring to know that uh, Oklahomans overwhelmingly supported our message. Yeah. You mentioned the the money as well, and I noticed that some of the tribal leaders were at your inauguration. I was told that you called each of them individually and kind of invited them. How do you? I mean, they spent so much money against you. They, I mean, Chuck Hoskins said at the most recent. Their committee meeting, he spent seven point five million in the election, and how, I mean, how do you come back from I mean, the relationship? And you know, I'll like, tell you. Uh, so, well, first off, you know, my message to myself, and I've told this to our senior staff, and I just did an offsite. We just did a strategy session with leadership and the House, the Senate. And I said, listen, guys, uh, don't bring old battles into this new year. You know, God gives us a new day every day. He gives us a new year. This is a new administration. And it's a loser strategy to bring old battles uh, forward. I said, you know, this day is going to have enough issues of its own. Uh, so let's live with a clean heart. Let's forgive everyone. Let's 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 turn the page, so to speak. And that's kind of that's my message to myself personally. And it's my message to my kids. It's my message to uh, everybody in my organization. Is guys, let's move forward now and let's focus on being top ten. Let's make twenty twenty three the best year it can be. And if you're always holding on to the past and you're always living kind of, um, you know, you can get very cynical when you think about, you know, things that have happened before. Uh, so it's really, really important to move forward. And that's kind of been my message to myself. Um, we, we, we know we know what happened, and uh, but it's time to move forward and make Oklahoma uh, the best state it can be. Yeah. How do you steer your relationship with the tribes going forward? You know, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And uh as long as, 
there's a difference too between uh, people that run, you know, the, the, the run that run the tribal government and the businesses versus the people. And as you saw, I won uh, a lot of those areas. I'm actually a tribal member. I know what they think. All my cousins rodeo in the Indian Rodeo Association, and and I'm from uh, these areas. I understand. That's my mom and my cousins and and my relatives and and. We're, we're Oklahomans first and we're proud of our heritage, but we want a fair system for everyone. And as long as we can move forward with what's fair for Oklahoma, um, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. But if, if, you, if, you, if you're fighting just for what's good for your business interest, um, whether you're an oil and gas industry or you're a tribal business or you're this, if you think that I'm going to just pass laws to benefit just your individual business, that's not me, and I hope and Oklahomans, Oklahomans can see that, that I am a fairness person, and I want to make sure everybody has equal opportunity to go be successful in Oklahoma, uh, regardless of your race or your ethnicity or where you live or your background, your economic status. We, the government's got to be clear with the rules, but it's got to create a level playing field. Nobody wants to think that the deck is stacked against them. What would that look like? What would a compact or a negotiation or an agreement look like with the tribe? I mean, in Wake and McGirt, I mean, a lot of things have changed. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns have kind of come about. I know Castro Huerta kind of maybe made a little bit more clear, but what, what would an agreement in, in, in those senses look like? Well, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about, Let's talk about criminal, criminal, yeah, criminal, criminal stuff, you know, I had some sheriffs call me this morning and basically just said, you, you got to help us. We have some things happening in eastern Oklahoma and the feds are still not prosecuting. And, 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 and anybody with native heritage feels like they're immune from prosecution. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's still some issues there. Uh, the district attorneys are gonna have to, the public is gonna have to wake up a little bit and, and to say, hey, we've gotta have a fair system here. Mm -hmm. Do our sheriffs have the ability to prosecute or to arrest and then do our district attorneys who were all elected? Or do we give that over to someone we don't even have a vote in that in that tribal election. That's the problem with this. Uh, but to me, it's gonna be sitting down with, and, and, and making sure, uh, can we treat everybody exactly the same? That's the way we've operated since 1907 and that's what I fought so hard for. Castro gave us some concurrent jurisdiction, which I think is helpful. Um, but uh, again, a lot, a lot of stuff to be to be talked about and, and you don't really know exactly the issue till it comes up and then, and then Talk to the sheriffs, talk to the district attorneys. What do they need to be able to prosecute and keep citizens safe in Oklahoma? Yeah. I think um, one thing the tribe, they, they, they really, they don't want to lose their sovereignty. They think that McGirt, it reaffirmed it, that it was never disestablished. Do you believe that the six tribes affected by McGirt are sovereign nations? Uh, well, what, do you, what, what does sovereign mean? Tribal sovereignty, like they have, they're, it's not like that's their reservation, this is their land. They can prosecute their own citizens, their own tribal members. Um, do you believe that they're sovereign? Uh, no, I believe that they're inside. I think that that, that term is, is uh, really kind of misunderstood. The federal government says says dependent, domestic dependent sovereign, and then that land, Castro said, is still within the state of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So the state of Oklahoma laws are preemptive, yeah. uh, unless the federal government specifically says otherwise. So, um, no, if you're asking me if, 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 if a tribal member doesn't have to pay taxes or follow Oklahoma law, I don't believe that. Um, if you think if, if Oklahoma, every Oklahoma citizen has to have a hunting and fishing license, that's what I believe. Yeah. I believe that's what our Constitution says. I think that's the way it's set up. I do not believe that uh, 
you can do whatever you want and you can arrest people in eastern Oklahoma and have a different set of rules based on your race. I don't believe that. Let's go into gaming. I, you sent out a tweet, I think it was two weeks ago, about sports betting. That you were in favor of legalizing it in a fair way in Oklahoma. As so long as, I, I don't know the exact quote of the tweet, but so long as Oklahoma citizens are treated fairly in the agreement to legalize sports betting. Where, what, what would a legalized sports betting look like in Oklahoma? I know Kansas has it. I know New Jersey has it. A lot of states have it. But what are, what are some things you're looking at in regards to, to sports betting and legalizing Well, there's, there's going to be more to come. We... Mm-hmm. Uh, for the record, the reason I sent that out is I wanted people to know that I'm I'm for that. We already have some gaming in Oklahoma, and so Sportsbook is something that we can get across the finish line. I think the Thunder's interested in it. I think the citizens are interested in that. And so I want to make sure that uh, people knew that there's going to be more to come. I, I want to get that across the finish line, but let's do it the right way. Let's make sure we bring all the stakeholders together. Uh, let's make sure OU has a voice and, and Oklahoma State Athletics and the Thunder and and um, and let's make sure that we, we, we do this thoughtfully. We've got, like you said, 20, 30 other states now to look at, make sure it's transparent and it's fair for the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's, a, it's a great system for uh, the people that want to use that, uh, uh, you know, want to bet on games. Definitely. Oh, what are, what are, what have some of those conversations been like with some of the stakeholders? Do you had any? I mean, what 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 are what are, what would an unfair thing uh, sports betting legalization look like? What would a fair system of sports betting look well, like? Well, I mean, I think you can look at uh, uh, the way I would approach a business transaction as as governor is what state is doing it the best? What state is uh, creating the most revenue for their citizens? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we um, how can we make that? How can we go out there and say? Um, this is this is something we're going to offer, and uh, we want to make sure it's audible. We want to make sure it's transparent, and we want to make sure the the taxpayers, you know, reap the most benefit from it, right? Yeah. So that's the way I'm going to approach it, and we're going to look at, uh, like you said, New Jersey and, and Kansas and uh, all the other states that have sports books, and yeah. let's roll out the best system for Oklahoma. Definitely. Let's go to your um, your probably your top messaging point throughout the campaign, just in general, is school choice. Um, when you first ran in 2018, you said you were against any, a, a school voucher. You said, and I, I don't think it was a debate, I think it was a forum, that you would not be supportive of a school voucher system. What changed? How did, what, obviously, minds changed, things learned, but th- new things you learned. So kind of when did your mind change, kind of what sparked that? Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I've always been for more options, so I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly where that, where that came from or what context I was talking about. But when I say school choice, um, what I'm talking about is the aviation school in Norman, where kids now, if they decide they want to be an A&P mechanic, they can go to a special school and they become an A&P mechanic. Uh, I'm talking about the kid in North Tulsa uh, that has very low test scores and, and high dropout rates and a lot of gang violence. And I want to give that parent a, a choice that says they don't have to go to that zip code school. So we passed open transfer. We pass a lot of things, and we're seeing thousands of kids now take advantage and go to a school that better fits their needs. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about, about school choice. We're going to continue to double down, and we're going to fund education more and more every single year of my administration. I'm going to continue to promote and give teachers pay raises, promote that profession. Uh, but that's what, I talk, that's what I'm talking about is, is funding the student and allowing a student to not just be locked into a zip code school, just because that's where they happen to live. Yeah. I think that is an old, old, uh, uh, it's an old model that needs to change. Mm-hmm. And other states are figuring that out. And if we're 49th in something, 
everybody that knows me says, I'm going to do anything I can. It can't get worse. And I'm going to do anything I can to push the needle and challenge the status quo. That's why I'm so hard on, guys, I'm not going to sit here. My kids uh, have choice. Mm -hmm. I want every kid to have choice in Oklahoma. Yeah. I know I followed you around on the trail a lot. Whenever I was in, we were in Oklahoma City or Tulsa, it was very a bipartisan support for school choice and for funding the student, as you would say. Um, but then when you get out to rural areas, I know when we were Western Oklahoma, there, and maybe some of that was the messaging coming from you were that one place where that idiot attacked me. I think I looked at um, Weston, whatever that was happening. I was like, what, what in the world is going on? But anywho, um, I digress there, but. Well, I mean, so rural Oklahoma, I guess there is some fear that, I mean, there's a lot of money spent to say this is going to defund rural schools. I know you explained it um, whenever you were asked about it, but like, how would it would ensure that if you're in rural Oklahoma and you're at school, you're not going to lose funding? You're not well, going to lose first funding. off, back, back to the mandate, mm-hmm. they sent out so many mailers trying to scare and fear monger mm-hmm. rural Oklahomans. I mean, literally geo-marketing yeah. and fencing their school district, saying a lot of public schools, this is your last football game you're ever going to see. Yeah. If Governor Stitt wins, he's going to shut your school down. So, again, it didn't work. Yeah. We won uh, by bigger than we Decisive. did in 2018. So it didn't work, number one. So you got to realize who's pushing that narrative. And, and this is what I try to explain to people in business. Uh, be a little leery of somebody pitching their book at you, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, the fact that the superintendents or the people that benefit the most are trying to say, don't change my, my piece, don't move my cheese, this is my deal, it's working perfectly. I don't know why everybody doesn't have a little bit of a, of a well, is, should I take this guy's advice 100% or should I get some other opinions on this thing? Mm-hmm. This guy has a vested interest to tell you what he wants. So again, that's what's happening in some of those rural areas. There's a lot of fear mongering what's, what's happening. But we are going to, uh, I love, I mean, Purcell and, mm-hmm. and, and Amber Pocasset and Wayne, Oklahoma, and these schools that are teaching kids what their parents want, they're getting them college ready or career ready, they have nothing to worry about yeah. until they don't. Mm-hmm. And then why do we want to trap our kids into a school system that's failing? Maybe if it's an F school, let's put parents back in charge. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, again, if, as long as they are doing what the parents want, if the funding follows the student, they're going to get more money into their school. Yeah. So again, it's not a it's not a good argument that they have that says we're going to defund their school. It's not true unless they're not training their kids and getting them ready and, and, and being um, responsive to the market and what the kids need to get ready yeah. uh, for for a successful career. Yeah. And if there's another school that pops up in your town that's doing a better job and parents decide to send their kids there. What's wrong with that competition? Yeah. So basically, and just to clarify, if so, say, let's say Woodward schools, if they don't lose any students, they keep their funding. If a student decides, hey, I don't want to be here, then all that's lost is that state money added on, but the add the tax dollars and the federal funding stay, and so the school basically gets federal funding and the tax dollars for a student that's not there anymore. So the per pupil technically goes up since it lost that one student unless that family decides to move out of Woodward to Oklahoma that's State. Correct. And that's correct. Yeah. And and guys guys, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Other states could do a tax credit. Uh, could say, hey, if a student does want to move, so then the funding formula doesn't change at all. Yeah. And then there's other there's other things that we set up a new pot of money outside of the um, the actual funding formula mm-hmm. 
that a student could tap into if they decide that they want to go somewhere else. So again, there's a tons of different ways to do it. A lot of states are doing this. Again, go back to what we're trying to do. We're trying to improve education. Yeah. If we're not top 10 in something or even average, mm -hmm. we've got to try something different. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Jeb Bush did this 20 years ago in Florida, mm -hmm. and they've had the best increase in their education outcomes of any other state. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to mimic. That's actually kind of touched on my next question. Is I mean, you've seen states like Florida and Arizona do this and successfully implement school choice and school and the school voucher system with the things where the funding follows the student. Why did I mean Oklahoma had I mean it failed in the Senate. Why why is it having more of a, a tough time here in Oklahoma passing it? Is it messaging? Is it um, just edu like education surrounding the student? You know, voucher I, I think it's a that's a fair question. Um, you got to realize Doug Ducey when he passed it really this year it was on his eighth year. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, big heavy lifts, mm -hmm. will, when you're changing a, a really aged system, mm -hmm. it's gonna take several years to build momentum, to build coalition, to kind of talk about it, to get that across the finish line. I mean, workers' comp reform, all the stuff that happened uh, 20 years ago, it takes a few years to get it across the finish line. And so, um, you know, if we did it this year, mm -hmm. I think that'd actually be a short time. We've really been talking about it for two yeah. or three years. It'd be really good. Uh, but last year, I think that the House was 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 not sold on it, and in the Senate, you know, sometimes if the Senate doesn't think that the House is going to pass something, mm -hmm. they're reluctant to put their name on a on a hard or or difficult vote. And yeah. so, so there's some politics that were going on last year that hopefully we've uh, we've addressed and and we can really put the kids and parents back in charge and back yeah. at the forefront and not let politics get get involved. And it was an election year and. There's just a lot of stuff that happens in this building. Definitely. Transition off that, let's go to abortion. On um, the debate with Joy Hoffmeister, you were asked if you would support signing an amendment to the bill that would then create an exception for rape and incest. And you said you would. If that, the legislator put that on your desk, you would sign it. Um, what changed your mind between signing the bill that criminalized it with no rape or incest um, exceptions to saying you would then sign one with rape and incest? Well, I, I've told Oklahomans from the very beginning that, that I am, um, you know, I believe that life begins at conception and, and I was going to sign every piece of uh, pro-life legislation at my desk. So it was really easy to sign the bills that hit my desk. And those are, those are really, really complicated questions. But what I also talked about in the debate that the left and people don't want to talk about, and even the U.S. US House most recently, um, the other side of the, 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 the Democrats won't even defend and say that a doctor has to provide medical care for a baby that's born alive. And, and so that's the really, uh, you talk about the extreme view on this issue, and it's the other side of the aisle that will not admit when they should stop an abortion. Mm -hmm. and, and the country of France, and like I've said a, a lot, is these most European countries stop abortion between 12 to 14 weeks. And we can have an honest conversation of when we think life begins, but we certainly know it begins before uh, a minute before that baby's born. And so those are the things that, that we really want to try to have a conversation about. At the same time, I set up the HELP Task Force that wants to promote adoption, wants to promote care for um, uh, young mothers. I expanded the, the uh, we went from 60 days to a year on postpartum care, and we, we invested more money in, in, in that system. And so, again, we're, we're going to be the most, you know, 
pro-mom and pro-child state, and those things go hand in hand with us. Uh, but those, the, the questions on the rape and incest is just, uh, those are tough situations. And I've just said, hey, if the legislature puts it on my desk, I'll sign it. Yeah. And, and there's also a little bit of a, a question. There are There is one bill, I don't know exactly where it's at, that uh, you know how many bills they, they over the years, yeah. uh, but there are there are some some uh, exceptions to rape and incest in bills right now. Yeah, in the in the civil, the Texas style yes. abortion bill. There so is we have a civil and a criminal yeah. deal. So there is an argument that it's already it's already allowed in Oklahoma. There, I mean, there's bills filed in the Senate already that would um, further criminalize it. That would charge someone with murder, a mom with murder. She does get an abortion. Um, I mean, would you see yourself signing, like, further criminalizing abortion? No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. We're not going to get into that. And, again, this issue has been, been settled. And I know some folks now the left wants to continue to talk about this issue. Uh, our state's been very clear is that, that, uh, that we, we want to be a pro-life state. There's other states that are actually advertising and want to fly you to their state to California. do abortions. Yeah, California. Billboard right there. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's a very dangerous um, when you have a biblical worldview and we think that there is a, a God that creates mm-hmm. human beings and creates everyone in his image, uh, to be a state that brings, uh, that promotes the killing of babies, uh, we, I think that's very dangerous. Yeah. Yep. Just to clarify too, um, there's nothing in Oklahoma law or statute that criminalizes the mother right yeah, now. Not and right, I think yeah. Sometimes you hear and read on social media, you know, if you're a mom, you can't get an abortion because you'll be thrown in jail. That's just not true. Off of this, I mean, you got four more years as governor. You came in as governor not having been involved in politics, not having run before. So there was obviously a learning curve. Now that you've had four years under your belt, I mean, what are your priorities going forward for the next four years? What have you learned from your first four years that you'd like to implement now? Well, you know, when I came in, you got to remember we had – very little money in savings. We were kind of going through these budget nightmares, and because what happened is, and this is, it just gets lost on people, but um, it's so simple to me because when revenue comes in, mm-hmm. if we spend and appropriate a hundred percent of that revenue, uh, revenue doesn't just always go up in a straight line. So it goes up for a while, and you keep raising expenses. Well, when it goes down, now everybody's scrambling. You got to cut, yeah, because we had no savings. So from the very beginning. My fiscal discipline uh, it was saying, guys, we have to spend less than comes in, and we have to build a savings. So now we have a $4 billion savings account. It's amazing what we've been able to do. This year, we have a $1.7 billion surplus over our expense level. So at a certain point, I can't just keep, it's not prudent just to keep building my savings account. I have to, I can strategically invest in stuff, and we will. Roads and bridges and education and healthcare. I put 1.7 billion in healthcare since I took office. Okay, but now we have to give a tax cut back to the consumer, and that is going to continue to further. We're already top ten in migration. Mm-hmm. If I continue to be the most business friendly state, revenue is going to keep going up, and we're going to keep diversifying our economy. And it's going to be good for the frontier, and it's going to be good for the bike shops, and it's going to be good for the insurance agents, and it's going to be good for everyone if we continue to grow like that. So that's why I want to. I want to continue to focus on being the most business-friendly state, and there's some policies we can do. Uh, I'm going to continue to focus on education because businesses come. they got to have a workforce that's ready to go. That's why education ties into that. We need more AMP mechanics. We need more engineers. Um, 
Healthcare is something I'm always gonna focus on. We need better outcomes, I need better access. That's why I changed the delivery model on managed care to force my hospitals to have primary care and treat people instead of in the ERs. Mm -hmm. So we got that going. And then infrastructure, you saw me announce a big $10 billion infrastructure plan. Mm -hmm. um, so when we've got, you know, we're working on some exciting things in the state of the state to roll out to also protect Oklahomans, uh, you know, legacy for the future. We've got some folks from DC coming in and we're yep. promoting them on how we're getting dollars into the different projects across the state. If we can, we've moved the needle probably 30 points since I came into office on, uh, on broadband connectivity. I have a governor scorecard that I track. Um, but in 2019, if you'll say, see, I put a task force together to study this broadband yeah. and wanted connectivity throughout the state. Uh, stuff I'll talk about on Thursday as well. But we're, we're, we're excited that the feds are actually promoting this and we're, and we're going to put more money in that as well. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself after this? What, 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 are, what would be some of your future plans? Do you want to run for higher office, a cabinet position? I mean, what, I mean, after being governor for Oklahoma, I mean, you're, I don't really think you're 50 yet, are you? I mean, I turned 50 this year. Yeah. Thank so, you for <laughs> so, I mean, you still got a lot of time ahead of you. I mean, what, what, what would be some, you need to talk to the first lady. She didn't even throw me a birthday party. Can you believe that? Really? Yeah. It's terrible. December 28th, I know. Wow. Um, well, my, my daughter got married. We were yeah. planning all the inaugurations, so we were kind of busy. And that makes sense, like, yeah. You got the inaugural balls. So I think true. that could have been celebratory. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's. I just believe if you do your best every single day where you're at today, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Yeah. And so... Um, just realize when you do your best, you can always do better. I always tell them I can always do better, uh, but my best should be my floor tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. We can get, we can always be getting better. And so I think there'll be opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I love the business world. So I've taken, uh, it'll be eight years away from my business and yeah. my company. And, 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 and I think that's what we're supposed to do. I think our founding fathers wanted us to be a successful farmer or rancher or teacher or or being some profession or business person and you go serve your state or your country and then you come back. And that's my that's my whole goal. This yeah. is citizen-led and I'm gonna go back to be a citizen and I'll be cheering on the next guy. And and if, uh, if, if one of my colleagues is fortunate enough to become president and wants me to do something uh, you know, up there, then that something will cross later on. But as long as I do a good job for Oklahoma, mm -hmm. I think there'll be opportunities in whatever we yeah. wanna do in the future. Would you ever wanna run for president? <laughs> You heard the rumor. I mean, uh, I think we all hear the rumors all the time that you 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 would like to. I mean, it's just out there. But yeah. I mean, would you ever consider? Uh, you know, I mean, I'd never say never if uh, yeah. if, I, if I felt the Lord was calling me to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd do it if it felt like the timing was right. But right now, I'm just focused on Oklahoma, and um, you know, who knows what what the future holds. Definitely. Well, that's all the questions I have. I thank you. Awesome, Governor. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.